0: Wrestling with God is an invitation to bring your questions, your doubts, and your frustrations to God, to engage in the struggle of flesh and faith. Those who wrestle acknowledge that they will never have all the answers, but know that the wrestling is still worth it.
1: On this podcast, we hold space for those who have engaged in the struggle, and we invite you to join us as we sit in the tension of faith and doubt, and press forward in wrestling with God.
0: Hey everyone, this is episode two of Wrestling with God, and today we thought we would read from the Good Book, the story of Jacob wrestling with God, and talk about why that's significant to us, um, why we've named this podcast Wrestling with God, and just just dig into it. So we are going to read the scripture, which is Genesis 32, 24 through 32. And we're going to be reading from the message version because we feel it is um, more accessible um, and frankly, easier to read and understand. But Jacob stayed behind by himself, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he couldn't get the best of Jacob as they wrestled, he deliberately threw Jacob's hip out of joint.
1: And the man said, Let me go. It's daybreak. Jacob said, I'm not letting you go till you bless me. The man said, What's your name? And he answered, Jacob.
0: The man said, but no longer, your name is no longer Jacob. From now on, it's Israel, God wrestler. You've wrestled with God and you've come through. Jacob asked, and what's your name? The man said, why do you want to m- to know my name? And then right then and there, he blessed him.
1: Jacob named the place Peniel, which means God's face, because he said, I saw God face to face and lived to tell the story. The sun came up as he left Peniel, limping because of his hip. This is why Israelites to this day don't eat the hip muscle, because Jacob's hip was thrown out of joint. So the idea of wrestling with God, as we mentioned in the first podcast, has been something that both me and Megan have been, has been at the forefront of our, uh, journeys, um, in recent times. And for me, this, um, this concept, this idea of this, um, experience of wrestling, um, uh, started, uh, a couple of years ago when I started the discernment process, uh, towards the priesthood, um, in the, um, Episcopal church, um, in my faith tradition, uh, Prior to going to seminary, prior, prior to having your own church, prior to being a minister, prior to any of that, uh, you go through what's called a discernment process where you walk through um, a time of, uh, of questioning, um, a time of uh, considering other options, a time of challenge, a time of, uh, of uh, deep prayer and thought, um, as you think about, uh, what God may be calling you to. Um, and that in and of itself is inherently a wrestling process just because of all of those things that I just mentioned. But, yeah, the fir- but this first year of seminary has been particularly, um, a, t- uh, a, a time of wrestling. Um, and I think it's meant to be in some ways. Um, you're put into a, a community of strangers. You're just kind of dropped in. Um, Your uh, you start doing things that you've never done before. Um, things like preaching, things like um, uh, those and other things. <laughs> um, and in all of that, um, you learn about yourself. And um, oh, uh, you do things like being a hospital chaplain. And you're put in situations where you help other people, where you start to practice leadership. And when you're in those situations, certain things bubble up to the surface. And um, if um, any of you saw my Instagram post from about a week ago, um, I have been really intensely dealing with this idea of wrestling with God for about the past four or five months, especially. Um, if you haven't seen the video, I'll just give a brief recap. I have been terrified of public speaking my entire life, which it's ironic that we're doing a podcast but, now. Yeah, but
0: it's, a, it's a good thing we're podcasting.
1: That's right. And I'm, I get to lay in my hammock in my front yard while we have a conversation about wrestling <laughs> with God. It's much more comfortable than standing in a pulpit and um, in – Um, Episcopal churches, a lot of them, pulpits are like steps up into this um, box. Most Mm -hmm. times that kind of overlook from like a, a bird's eye perspective down onto the congregation. So you as the public speaker are like elevated. I mean, um, it it is the perfect situation for someone who's terrified of public speaking to like, um, experience fight or flight um, in the chapel here at seminary the lectern where we read from is not uh, on like steps or anything it's on the floor it's on ground level but there's a spotlight that comes on That's as you walk up to the lecture yeah and the first time I read in coda uh, as it's um, affectionately called it's chapel of the apostles and we call it coda um, The first time I read there and the spotlight came on, I was already nervous, but it just like my nerves went through the roof. Anyway, um, I've always had this fear of public speaking since I was a kid, and it developed combined with other trauma. Um, I was a part of a very dysfunctional family. Um, we've talked a little bit about my religious trauma in the past, too. In addition to all of that, I developed this fear of speaking in front of people and from that developed a a a stutter a stammer and so especially the past four or five months as being here at cemetery at being here at seminary as it's gotten more intense i i multiple times told god i am not capable of doing this I cannot speak well. I am not an eloquent speaker. I mean, it's like the classic story of Moses, right? When Moses was like, I am slow of speech and everything. And God was like, you're going to do it anyway. It's been the exact same experience for me here. And um, it has not been what I prayed for or planned to or plan for when one thinks of like going to seminary and having this mountaintop experience, like we're literally on a mountaintop here. Um, It's, it's not what I prayed for. It's not what I thought was going to happen when I got here. I expected other experiences, other frou-frou experiences uh, that would connect me to God through those experiences, I would encounter God. And some of that's true. I've gone outside to look at sunsets on campus here at the overlooks and just been in awe. But I've never felt closer to the divine than I did in the last four or five months as I've wrestled with God. And, I, as, and there was one point we had a silent um, retreat here uh, at the School of Theology on Ash Wednesday this year. And I remember it was off campus at a retreat center nearby. And I remember walking outside during one of um, uh, the personal sessions where we could kind of um, disperse and have some um, alone time. I remember walking outside, and there was a small outdoor altar there. And I remember standing behind it and trying to imagine myself as a priest one day. And I remember banging my fist on the altar overcome with anger and frustration and just telling god i cannot do this i don't know why you are calling me to do this why i remember that that feeling being so intense and i'm not going to lie um i didn't have some great epiphany some deep peaceful experience after that there was there was nothing that like tied that moment up in a bow. I didn't immediately experience a moment of affirmation. I did not. I, I, I left that space to go back into the retreat center for the next session, feeling just as distraught and worried and fearsome as I did when I, when I, when I started having that uh, moment. Um, but it was the starting point of a journey, a deep journey for me over the past couple of months. And in one of my classes, Um, here at the School of Theology, I wrote um, for a final project, a hymn based on the story of Jacob wrestling with God. And I'll share that at some point, I'm sure. And I wrote a paper on the story and how much it means to me um, to be at a place in my spiritual journey where I am, where I have the courage to wrestle with God. And a couple weeks ago, um, I was contacted by the chapel here on campus, the big chapel. And um, I was asked if I would be a reader. And I've been going through a lot. My anxiety threshold is pretty high because of the pandemic. And I was like, you know what? I could be a reader. But I'm going to save myself all of that mental anguish (laughs) of public speaking in the big chapel here on campus in front of everybody it's being recorded like hundreds of people are going to watch this i'm just going to save myself that trouble this one time and just say no and so i did i said no and um after i clicked send um i went back to read the reading um that was in it was a pdf attachment in the um email and it was i'll be damned if it was not the story of jacob wrestling with god Genesis 32. And it was just another moment where I was like, oh, and I mentioned in my um, Instagram story that I've never felt as close to God as I did this past week when I went through all of that interior struggling because I said that I would read. So anyways, I emailed um, the chapel back and said, yes, I'll read. I didn't tell them why. I didn't tell them that I looked at the reading and I couldn't say no. I didn't mention all that. But I said that I would read. And for the next three or four days in preparation for reading on Sunday, um, I went through elation after having experienced God on such a deep level and total fear going back to the primal fears from high school and from, and from, uh, in, uh, from high school and middle school of moments when I spoke in public and stuttered and was made fun of and experienced all of that trauma. and. Um, but it was a moment I mentioned this in my Instagram story. I feel like for me, there have been moments of direct encounter with the divine that I could not deny. Um, I think you can probably relate to this some, um, Megan. Like, I am very careful to say things like, "I heard God say this to me," or "God told me this." Mm. Um, those are phrases from both of our traditions, I think, that just make me cringe because. Oh, yes. A lot of times, you can those say whatever phrases, you want. Exactly, it gives you free license many times to say whatever you want. And oftentimes, for me, when those phrases were used, what followed was was um, manipulative, or it was a power grab or something like that. Yeah. And so, anyways, I'm always careful to say that, um, and that's part of my discernment too. I think you have to listen. But anyway. Um, I couldn't say no. Like this was one moment in time where I heard um, just loud and clear, you need to do this. I'm going to be with you. It's going to be hard. It's going to suck. There are going to be hundreds of people watching you in a live stream. You may fail, but I also, I, I did it. And it was pretty good, I think, but more than just being good, I got to tell this story of wrestling. And so for me, I didn't even care if I stuttered. I didn't even care if I was nervous about speaking in front of a lot of people. I got to vocalize. I got to put into words, into audible words, what I had been going through, this whole idea of wrestling, this whole idea of struggle. I got to put into words um, a beautiful story from the Old Testament that so perfectly encapsulated what my journey has been over the past couple of months Um, and for me it was just a moment I could not deny the presence of God I just I just couldn't there are certainly times when I feel God is so far away and that was a moment where I felt God was literally as close as my own heartbeat
0: Mm. so for you Is wrestling with God, it sounds like it's an invitation to do the hard things and to do the inner work and to not just accept what you're told about God um, on face value, but to really engage in what it means to follow God and, um, and search for him. Is that... Does that ring
1: true? Yeah, I think that's a perfect word. i I love that you use the word invitation because um, not everyone accepts it. That's right, that's right. And I think that what I've learned is that the act of wrestling, and I made this point in my in the paper that I wrote for that class that um, I mentioned um, a very big part of wrestling is that it is an intimate experience. Mm -hmm. You are physically involved with someone wrestling. But if it's a spiritual struggle, you're still just as much emotionally and spiritually involved in a very intimate encounter. Mm -hmm. Um, The whole idea of wrestling means that two people are coming together um, to, um, to sometimes duke it out. Mm-hmm. to sometimes um, fight, to sometimes struggle, um, to sometimes uh, 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 to intentionally put themselves in a situation where one person might lose or probably will lose. That's the whole idea of wrestling, right? Of a fight. You know, you watch a wrestling match on TV. There's a winner, there's a loser. So there's a very, there's a very intimate component of wrestling. And in that way, it very much is... an it very much is an invitation, I think, um and you do you have a choice to accept it or not i god I think that is so beautiful, and I don't think that people should be looked down on if they don't accept the um invitation um because it it takes a lot of strength, kind of how you mentioned in our first podcast um when you were completing your master's work, like you didn't have the mental capacity to do the wrestling at that point, yeah, um it does it does take it does take energy um, but it but it absolutely what it what it yields in the end is an intimate encounter um, and there's nothing compared to that experience of intimate encounter
0: so for me, it's I view it a little differently um because I don't. Um, I don't really think I have a relationship with God um, right now. I don't really, um, and we talked about this in the last episode. Um, yeah, I'm comfortable now with the I don't know. However, for me, wrestling with God has been embracing my frustrations, my doubts, my questioning instead of ignoring them or just throwing everything out. Um, for me, I could either give up on God or wrestle with him. And I've chosen to, to wrestle with, um, with my doubts and with my beliefs and, um, and it's, it's hard, you know, there are a lot of days where I'm like, why am I even doing this? Like, there's, is there even anything worth saving in this belief system? Is there anything that's salvageable in the wreckage of my deconstruction? And I don't know, maybe not. I I may never find anything that's worth saving. And I may never come back to an intimate place with a divine being. But it's worth, for me, it's worth putting in the energy um, to examine um, my doubts uh, and just to kind of wrestle with those frustrations to whatever end may come.
1: I heard you say, uh, I, I heard you use words like doubt and frustration. Those to me are very human emotions, very human experiences that are common to like all human beings. Yeah. I wonder how, how much of your wrestling, if you could tell me has been in other words, you accepting your own humanity in relation to God. And I guess, the, so The reason I'm asking that is because one thing that I've been thinking a lot about lately is how, how much especially American Western Christianity is all about living up to this ideal with rules Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. And we get those from God, from the divine. And so in those traditions, I think of the Christian journey being trying to be as much like God as possible and being punished when you fail or being shamed when you fail and now kind of coming have coming out of those have having come out of those traditions how much of deconstruction is all about actually claiming your humanity actually claiming failing actually claiming wrestling actually claiming doubt can you speak to that a little bit
0: yeah I'd love to um I so I think a lot of particularly evangelical Christianity and purity culture, it's all about this denying yourself. You're denying not only, you know, when we think about purity culture, we think of like sexuality, but it's, it's also denying your emotions, your vulnerability, you know, everything that it means to be human um, in search of, you know, trying to be more like Jesus. I mean, Everyone is like less of me, more of God and deconstruction for me has really been a lot of, um, finding comfort in my humanity and finding beauty in that. And it feels like, like coming back to myself. It feels Mm. like if I can let go of that view of God, then I can find, I can find holiness in what it means to be a human. And honestly, if I, if if I, Can you say
1: that one more time?
0: Yeah. If I can remember it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If I can let go of that view of God, where humans are inherently sinful and dirty, then I can look at my humanity as sacred and holy. And honestly, I think that a God who would create humans would not see them any other way. And so if I were to reconstruct any concept of God in my life and and have a relationship with a God um, it would it would be something like that where my humanity is not only acknowledged but celebrated because I just I have a hard time believing that that God, Views humans as so inherently sinful, and then and then sent you know created a, uh, a son to become just like us. I think we're missing the point with that. I think that God that God put on human skin, as you know people like to say, not because we needed saving, but because. He wanted us to see the divinity of our humanity.
1: Mm, mm. I love that. I read recently, I forget exactly what I was reading. Um, but the idea was proposed that um, again, mostly Western Christians look at um look at Jesus as like 95% divine and 5% human. Like we're so quick to latch on to Jesus's um, divinity that we miss his humanity. Mm-hmm. And I think that that has massive consequences for Christians.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, in the faith traditions that I grew up in, the major emphasis was placed on the atonement, divine work that Jesus did for all of humanity, and very little emphasis was placed on—at least um, in um, relation to the um, uh, work of atonement—very little emphasis was placed on this life that He lived, that models for us how to live lives of peace and how to how to live lives that take care of the outcasts of society, how to um, how to live fulfilled human lives where we are loved and where we love others like there, there there was just so much more emphasis placed on the divine jesus and what the divine jesus did for me and so little emphasis placed on the human jesus and what i can learn from the human jesus about my own humanity
0: yeah and i think that's missing so much of um, yeah. of the point of what he came here for. I mean, if, if you believe that um, that Jesus you know came to earth as a human to live amongst us, what um, what is the purpose? There's got to be to me something more than just well, he was a lamb to be slaughtered, you know there's got to be more to it than that.
1: me Mm -hmm. so we talked about well i i mentioned um the class earlier that i wrote the paper for Mm -hmm. um and the class was called and the word became violent a riff Mm -hmm. on um the first chapter of john uh that says, um, referring to Jesus, and the word became flesh. It's a riff on that. And the whole class uh, did what I think is the very important work of tackling passages of violence in Scripture, passages where God um, is portrayed as this being that wipes out entire swaths of people, Um, uh, um, a God who is portrayed as um, being okay with human beings, uh, chosen human beings, wiping out swaths of people. Um, the class was tough. Uh, yeah. it, it, it made me read some of those stories for the first time ever. And it made me realize how much we kind of put away that violence, um, in scripture, um, in our churches. And we just kind of avoid those texts but anyways, that can be for a whole nother uh, podcast um, episode. The, the point of me bringing that up was that in this story, I chose this story to do my paper on, one, because I had been doing a lot of wrestling, but two, because there's some violence mm-hmm. in the passage. In the end, uh, Jacob, after this intimate encounter of wrestling with God, is left with a broken hip. He is physically mm-hmm. injured and has a limp, um, Uh, the chapter tells us for the rest of his life. I think it says for the rest of his life. So how do you, or have you incorporated yet, or will you, do you think you will or whatever, um, this idea of being left with a, um, a limp after wrestling? How do you see that as a part of, the equation as a part of this picture uh, excuse me as a part of this journey of deconstruction
0: yeah i guess i look at a limp as a reminder of what i've gone through and what i chose to do um you know jacob didn't he could have chosen not to wrestle i mean i'm i'm that seems like it was a perfectly valid option. And I feel like for me, um, I, I don't have to go through the work of deconstruction in the way that I've chosen to do. Um, but the limp is, it's just a reminder to me that first of all, I'll just never be a person who doesn't wrestle. I mm. I don't think I ever will be. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> And so the limp is just a reminder of who I am and, um, you know, just, just my choice is to seek truth above all things.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: How about you? What does that mean for you and look like for you?
1: So one of my big journeys in, seeing a therapist in recent times. Um, I've been seeing a therapist now for uh, six or so years. Um, Some of the deep work that I've been doing recently with my therapist has been integrating my trauma into my life and Mm -hmm. learning how to, um, now that I've gotten over uh, kind of the sting of trauma Uh, learning how to use my traumatic experiences in a positive way and integrate them into my being. And it's so funny because I have an obvious limp. It is not in my legs. It's in my speech. And um, it's my stutter. I, every time I speak publicly, every time in the future, when I'm a priest, God willing, and the people consenting, <laughs> um, every time I get into a pulpit, it's going to be something that is a visible sign. And when I first started seminary last fall, a year ago now, I was ashamed of the stutter. I would do everything I could in chapel if it was my day to read, to like avoid the stutter or to mask it or to pretend like it wasn't there. Um, I I was all about separating Mm -hmm. that part of me away from me because I felt shamed by it. I felt like it was an ugly, unwanted part of who I was. It was um, a product of childhood trauma for me. And I'm over that childhood trauma and I don't want to deal with the evidence anymore. Like that's exactly how
0: I'm an overcomer.
1: What in the
0: name of Jesus, I'm an overcomer.
1: (laughs) That's right. If my (laughs) granny was still living, that's exactly what Jesus said. (laughs) Literally. Um, But I've learned to look at it differently. I've learned to, first of all, admit that it's going to be there. It's always going to be there probably in some capacity. And to own it, to yeah. claim it, to integrate it into who I am, to not be ashamed of it, to not let it be something that uh, makes me see myself as less of a public speaker, as less of a great, um, as a great public speaker, um, and to just to just own the limp. I I feel like Jacob probably every time he you know, took a walk around the neighborhood, I felt like, I feel like he probably was constantly reminded of that intimate encounter that he had with God when he was walking the dog and he had a limp, you know, when his neighbors were grumbling the whole way. But also... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly right. That is exactly right. And so that for me is my limp. It is obvious and, um, it is easily seeable and, um, Yeah, but I am learning to claim it and integrate it and own it and not let it be something that brings me shame. It's, to kind of go back to what you were saying, it's a part of my humanity, and I'm owning it and claiming it.
0: And I think it speaks to, and even that passage in the Bible, it kind of flies in the face of prosperity gospel, right? Where it's this belief that um, if you do everything Right and believe in God then he's just gonna make everything great and you're gonna be well and you're not gonna get sick and you're not gonna um, be maimed in any way and that's the exact opposite you know not only did Jacob have a limp for the rest of his life but that limp was um, a representation of a blessing
1: Yeah. How ironic is that? Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the Western church is very ableist, but this is a reminder that there's, there's no promise that, that you will, you'll never suffer physically or in any other way.
1: That's right. And I think that so, and we can have a whole nother um, podcast episode on this, but one thing that I've realized in my own journey is that, um, to just get rid of the whole prosperity gospel first of all and come to understand that um, that for me God is always with me walking with me through that stuff that we're going to experience bad things because we're human beings um, but instead of looking at God as this candy dispenser that like pops out mm-hmm. some bubblegum for those, only those who absolutely deserve it. That God is actually a mystery, that God is actually the source of love, that God actually walks with us through our trauma, that God walks with us through our pain and through our struggle. Um, that's been a major paradigm shift for me.
0: So what are you getting into lately?
1: So this is really lame, but I have been getting really into just getting outside. That's not um, lame. <laughs> living in Southwest Georgia for the past um decade, um, near where you're at now in mm-hmm. Florida. Uh going outside during the summer is like not even gonna happen ever this because is it's hibernation so hot. time.
0: This
1: That's is right.
0: Outside.
1: <laughs> That's right. But it's just cool enough in southern Tennessee that I can go outside and enjoy a nice walk and enjoy a bike ride. I've started to run again. And um, the pandemic has, um, has pushed me out of the house a little bit. It gets boring to just sit around here all the time um, yeah. on zoom. <laughs> and so I, I have been getting outside. That is what I'm into right now. I'm sure maybe after the pandemic is over these, what are we into right now will get a little more interesting when we can actually get outside of our house, get outside yeah. of our homes and be social again. (laughs) get
0: into other things.
1: (laughs) Right. What about you? What are you into right now?
0: Well, lately, um, I found this podcast. It's called mega and it is a fictional satire podcast about a fictional mega church in Indiana. And it is love it. It is it's um it's also an improv podcast and so they always have a guest and that guest is usually like a member of their mega church and it is just fantastic if you are in any way familiar with like evangelical culture if you ever have been to a mega church it, it will you will love it. It is just so funny. Um, but it's like subtle enough that um, if you're still in that culture, you probably wouldn't recognize it as satire. Um, mm. it's, I can't recommend it enough. It's great. I love what they're doing. I laugh so much listening to these episodes, which is really good because, you know, I'm home all the time right now and just need, sometimes I need some levity.
1: Yeah. You need to laugh.
0: Yes,
1: absolutely. Well, I want to check it out. There's a lot of, um, I feel like a lot of um, in-house lingo in evangelical Christianity they that you would all. like, that, yeah, well, yeah, but that you would probably have to know in order to find some humor in this, right? I mean,
0: yeah, I mean, yeah. some. I think you're definitely going to appreciate it more if if you have been in that culture. But even if you have just, you know, grown up Christian, I think there's a lot that you'll understand.
1: Let's have a lightning round of You Ain't Gonna Believe This Shit today. Okay. So, what do you have for me today?
0: Oh, You Ain't Gonna Believe This Shit. But, <laughs> did you know... That the Washington Monument is a phallic symbol, and God hates it.
1: No. <laughs> yes. Who knew?
0: Who? Well, the writers of those little traps. From the oh, 70s,
1: no. Oh, they're no. the ones who knew. No.
0: So I'm really glad that I read that as a kid, and I grew up knowing that.
1: Mm. my you ain't gonna believe this shit is that i was never subjected to the brilliance of kid things like the power rangers and sonic the hedgehog as a child Mm -hmm. that left me really lonely on the playground when all of all the kids were playing the power rangers games and i was just kind of sitting there listening to my kingsman quartet cd Mm -hmm. Of gospel music.
0: And the funny thing is you're not joking at all. No. I know that's exactly what you were doing.
1: Not at all. No <laughs> joke. <laughs> Next time on Wrestling with God, you all have been waiting for it. We've been waiting to talk about it.
0: Purity culture.
1: And I asked Megan, I was like, should we like save the good stuff for later? And Megan was like, no, let's do it now.
0: Well, you know, when a when a song called "Walk" comes out and just like <laughs> freaks out every evangelical in the world, you kind of have to talk about it.
1: Just a reminder, you can find us on Instagram at Wrestling With God Pod.